Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. There's a lot happening uh, here at KSL Broadcast House. I know you've been listening to the commercials uh, about this and that here in the news during the last few minutes, but here at Broadcast House, much has happened. And if you want to get a glimpse of what's going on right now, uh, let me invite you to make your way over to the KSL News Radio app. You can download that. Wherever you get your apps, it's powered by Any Hour Services. You get that on your iPhone or on your Android device. Uh, And if you've been watching for the past little while, we have a video link here into the studio. Uh, You may notice that there's been a costume change here (laughs) here in the main studio. Here's what's going on. I am getting a flu shot. In about 15 minutes from right now, uh, on the air, I'm going to get myself uh, my, my 2020 flu shot. All right, uh, I am a flu shot advocate. I believe in the science. I believe in those who are promoting the flu shot. I want to keep myself healthy. I want to contribute to society, however uh, that science shakes out, by getting a flu shot. I want to do that. Now, now to pull that off, I need to have my arms exposed. And today I wore a button-up and a sweater. And you'll see in just a moment, we're going to try some, like, technical tap dancing uh, to get me out onto the street uh, so that I can receive my flu shot uh, from, the, from the mobile center. Uh, the, the Salt Lake Health Department, the Salt Lake County Health Department is going to help me get my flu shot. But I, I, they, they told me to wear short sleeves, and I forgot. And so... So that I can, you know, hold the microphone and do everything I need to do, uh, I needed to have my arm exposed ahead of time. And so you may have remembered a conversation I had uh, not too long ago with Gustavo. Uh, he today, in honor of the Lakers World Championship victory, uh, is was wearing uh, his Laker jersey. Well, let me just say that he is no longer wearing that Laker jersey. I'm wearing the Laker jersey, and my uh, my two guns here <laughs> are on full display. I feel very self-conscious. I'm incredibly self-conscious. But uh, after the break, uh, when I get my uh, flu shot, I'll have an arm ready for it. So (laughs) thanks for that. Uh, We're going to do that uh, via Facebook Live as well. So if you want to tune in, uh, you're you're welcome to do that. Now, before before I step outside and get my flu shot, I want to talk to you uh, quickly about uh, not not the flu now, but back to the the coronavirus, COVID-19. You see, we have, we've learned a lot since the dawn of this pandemic. It's a, it's a novel virus, right? And that, that word novel in this context is something uh, new to some of us as well, right? It's new. It is teaching us new lessons. We are having to develop uh, new techniques and tactics on how to combat this thing. And so because of that reality, it is natural. It's only natural 
that occasionally there will be missteps. There will be times, say, for example, when the Surgeon General of the United States will say that mask wearing is ineffective and it's not something recommended for all Americans. Well, time and added knowledge and understanding uh, has led uh, the Surgeon General to change course on that. And that should not be viewed as a criticism or that should not be viewed rather as as a shortcoming in his approach to the job. Why do I say that? Well, uh, because it takes a lot more uh, to admit that you are wrong and open yourself up to evolving with added understanding than it does to dig your heels in and repeat over and over bad information, even when you know that it is wrong and you are staying the course merely to save face. That's despicable behavior. And we should understand that as this virus continues to spread around the world and we come up with better understandings of how to treat it and to battle it. If those new understandings conflict uh, with what came in the past, uh, there is no shame in admitting that. In fact, uh, there is only wisdom uh, in admitting that. What am I talking about? What, What am I setting the stage here for? Well, You see, the World Health Organization, as you well know, has come under some pretty good scrutiny and some pretty good fire. In fact, uh, President Trump has been an outspoken critic of the World Health Organization for a number of reasons. But today, today, I want to highlight uh, something which has come from Dr. David Navarro, who is the World Health Organization's special envoy on COVID-19. He granted an interview recently uh, where he shared the position of the organization, and it's a position that you might not have predicted. Let me uh, play for you the doctor's uh, words as he discussed the idea of lockdowns and their benefit or lack thereof as we continue to combat the coronavirus. We in the World Health Organization do not advocate lockdowns as a primary means of control of this virus. The only time we believe a lockdown is justified is to buy you time to reorganize, regroup, rebalance your resources, protect your health workers who are exhausted. But by and large, we'd rather not do it. Just look at what's happened to the tourism industry, for example, in the Caribbean or in the Pacific, because people aren't taking their holidays. Looks what's happened to smallholder farmers all over the world because their markets have got dented. Look what's happening to poverty levels. It seems that we may well have a doubling of world poverty by next year. We may well have at least a doubling of child malnutrition because children are not getting meals at school and their parents in poor families are not able to afford it. This is a terrible, ghastly global uh, catastrophe, actually. And so we really do appeal to all world leaders Stop using lockdown as your primary control method. Develop better systems for doing it. Work together and learn from each other. Mm. But remember, lockdowns just have one consequence that you must never, ever uh, belittle, and that is making poor people an awful lot poorer. You've heard these claims in the past. You have likely observed them in your community, maybe in your church or wherever you gather together with those you care about and live with. You may have experienced exactly this yourself. Uh, these lockdowns, these lockdowns are crippling to economies. They are arresting to the educational progress of young students. And they inflict immense 
and hopefully not irreparable, but maybe irreparable damage to the psyche and the social development and the the happy outlook uh, of young people and old people uh, from coast to coast and around the globe. And while the World Health Organization at one stage of this battle against the coronavirus was very much on the side of we've got to lock this down, we've got to lock this down, they are now of an entirely different mind where we ought to practice something uh, that some have called focused protection and avoid the use of lockdowns as primary control. Why? Well, because as you heard Dr. Navarro there just describe, uh, the lockdowns ought to be used so that we might be able to just push pause for a moment, assess our situation, come up with a plan, and execute that plan. The plan itself should not be the lockdown, or rather the lockdown should not be the plan itself. Uh, I have just a, a minute left before I go out and get my get, get my flu shot, uh, but I want to tell you about something I came across just the other day, uh, which speaks to a, a little bit uh, what the World Health Organization is now saying. And you may have come across this yourself. It is something uh, called the Great Barrington Declaration. The Great Barrington Declaration. I don't have time right now to go through it in its entirety, but it is uh, essentially an open letter to the world. The letter opens by saying, as infectious disease epidemiologists and public health scientists, we have grave concerns about the damaging physical and mental health impacts of the prevailing COVID-19 policies and recommend an approach we call focus protection. This goes into the lockdown policies which are on display around the world and in some cases here in the United States. These infectious disease epidemiologists and these public health scientists, including uh, professors from Oxford University, uh, the Harvard University Medical Center and Stanford University Medical School, plus hundreds, if not thousands more of doctors, of epidemiologists, of public health officials, uh, they have grave concerns with the long-term effects of lockdowns. Why do I bring all that up? Well, because lockdowns sometimes are necessary. They get necessary when things are out of hand and we need to stop, reassess, come up with a new plan, and move forward. We are not in a situation like that right now. The way to prevent that is to keep the masks on, is to wash your hands, exercise the good discipline. And if you're ill, if you've got some symptoms, don't go home or don't go to school, don't go to work. If we abide by all that, uh, these lockdowns uh, will not be something that's necessary on our horizon, nor will the terrible, terrible damage being suffered by young people and old people uh, will be avoided. All right, that's it. I'm going to take a break now. When I come back, I will be outside at a mobile unit about ready to receive this year's flu vaccine. I got my tank top on. My arms are ready. I'll, I'll join you in a moment getting my flu shot next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. 
In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.